Hey, this is Jamie from Green River Ordnance. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Trick or treat, Lone Star Radio listeners. This is Dick, the general manager, taking this quick moment to remind you that Lone Star Community Radio is looking to fill some of our talk show slots along with some of our DJ slots. We have a new show airing on the 10th, Making Connections with Stacey Harris, which will air every second Tuesday of the month at 1 p.m. Make sure to check it out along with our other programs on Lone Star Community Radio. More information on Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. And again, if you're interested in doing something with us, Call the station, 936-647-3776. Thanks for checking out this recording, and I hope you guys enjoy. Good afternoon. My name is Michael Potter. I'm with the, the Extension Hour here. I'm the County Extension Agent for Horticulture from Montgomery County, and today I have with me a special guest, uh, Dr. Paul Nestor. Hi, Mike. How you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. I think we're enjoying the nice breeze, and uh, we're out here with the uh, April Sound of Conroe, Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce. They're having a little golf tournament out here, and radio stations out here doing some live live broadcasting, so we, we came out today to enjoy it. Man, I tell you what, on a Friday afternoon out here in the sun, well, we're <laughs> under a shade tent, but down here in the in the weather, it's really nice. You yep. Know, it's I, nice I, to be out here. I think the lobster, I think he's a little well done, but, uh, <laughs> that, you know, that's okay. Leave him in the sun. Yeah, we'll leave him in the sun. Uh, Doc, Dr. Nestor, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do for extension? Okay, uh, I'm with the, uh, out of the entomology department, Texas A&M, and I cover uh, Harris and surrounding counties, and uh, for the past couple of months, I'm going to be up Montgomery County, <laughs> and uh, I deal with, uh, we were part of the Hurricane Harvey flood, it took out our offices, so I am now I have an alternate work location, which is fine because I work Montgomery County. I've had a good relationship with uh, you and uh, Mike Heimer working with us, different fire ant projects and Connie Crazy Ant projects, you know. So uh, so it's always good to be up here. But I am out of the entomology department, and my especially is ants. I deal with uh, uh, fire ants. I deal with Connie Crazy Ants, really nuisance ants, uh, Texas leafcutter ants, and some other things that I deal with. So uh, working with some type of... Uh, uh, possibly management strategies and then that you and Mike can be able to take to the uh, public to say, hey, this is what we need to do to uh, uh, manage these ants appropriately. So that's kind of what I do. And uh, deal, I have a few programs here and there. My main emphasis is working with ants and how to manage those. There's a couple of different ants out here for this. You know, we've got fire ants, sure. we've got native, and we've got the red imported fire mm-hmm. ant. And there's some other nuisance ants, the, the tawny crazy ant. There's a black rover ant. There's a little black ants. There's a lot of little ants we'll see running around, you know, uh, all the time. And uh, uh, and, But ants are natural. I mean, they're, they're not really pissed. You know, they only get pissed when they infringe upon our uh, uh, lifestyle. But more or less, you know, uh, ants are good yep. and they're part of the system. So we want to uh, uh, keep those, uh, you know, as many of those around as possible because they are very, very good, you know, helping out some things. So Yeah, there's the, I always try to tell people when you know, we talk about fire ants and everything and say, well, do you have pets? They say, well, yes. I said, well, do you realize that they also feed on larvae, fleas, and ticks? That's and, right. And they go, oh. <laughs> and I said, also, aerate, aerate your soil, too. They bring a, mm-hmm. a lot of good aeration in. So th- th- there's positives to them, but just when they get in our way and they kind of sting that we have to. And I will mention that a lot of people talk about fire ant bites. bites. They're actually stings. They're a member of the hymenoptera order, bees, wasps, and ants. Mm-hmm. So uh, they do sting, and they have a very uh, potent venom. So uh, that's one of the reasons we like to manage them, because a lot of people are very highly allergic to that venom. And uh, 
Uh, they can have a, go an anaphylactic shock, or they have hypersensitive reactions. So there's always a good reason to manage fire right. ants. And I try to tell people, too, that uh, you know, a lot of people worry about what they use on fire ants. Well, the idea is that that sting is much more dangerous than anything you're ever going to put around on them. So uh, keep that in mind. I'd much rather uh, uh, put something on them than have a child go to the hospital due to a sting or something like yeah. that. See, my, my daughter is one of those that kind of has a little reaction to uh-huh. it. She, she gets bit on her foot or something, and she'll swell up. Stung. You know? Stung, excuse me, stung. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, I stung. <laughs> when she gets stung, she, mm. gets, she, gets that, she gets a little inflammation and everything, a little swelling. Yeah. And it takes a while for that to go away because it is a venom that's injected. Now, when the venom's injected, it is a sterile uh, venom, and the pustule itself is sterile. Only after we, say, we pop it pop or something it, like that, then it. we'll start getting secondary infections. And right. that's, uh, that's what we have to watch out for. If you don't have any hypersensitivity reactions, just the uh, wound itself right. can be uh, very perplexing for weeks. So what, you know, we, we always get, I always kind of like the organic you know, sure, version of sure. things. And, and, and we always get those questions, hey, you know, uh, what about orange oil? What about grits? What about hot water? Yeah. What about, you know, all these little treatments? What, what do homeowners need to do or how can they best treat these ants? And, and then, of course, we could go into those organic treatments yeah. too. Oh, well, I mean, we like I uh, try to tell everyone that you need to, you think of ants as a population, not as a mound. A lot of people see a mound, but they've got to go do their fire ant management on that mound. Well, no, the mound's only a sign that you've got a problem. And the idea is you need to address the population. And the population themselves uh, can be uh, not only your yard, but your neighbor's yard and things of that nature. So uh, we like to, uh, uh, you know, have people use fire ant baits if they're going to you know, control fire ants. Baits are a food source that fire ants go after. And essentially, your fire ant is your delivery system. You spread the bait out over your yard, not strictly on the mound, but broadcast it over, over all your yard. Because normally, uh, you can only treat the mounds you see. You never treat the mounds you don't, don't see. see. So the idea is spread the bait over your yard, and you're only using a very small amount. And then the ant will pick it up, take it back to the mound, where it controls the queen and immatures. If you're going to get a reduction in ant population, you have to control the queen, you have to control the immatures. Mm-hmm. And if you just spread a general pesticide, like an insecticide granule, or just treat a single mound, you never really address the queen. Because I enjoy it on some of these uh, fast-acting pesticides that said, you know, it kills the queen. Well, the ant dies, it never gets back to the queen. So uh, uh, they have their place in fire ant management, but uh, fire ant baits are probably your, your, your best means of control them and again uh, uh, the the ant will pick the bait up take it back to the man where they actually feed it to the immatures who actually digest the bait and then uh, this product then is passed throughout the whole mound and then the mound dies from within it takes several days but the mound dies from within and then you think of the if you kill the queen you kill the immatures if you kill the immatures you kill the next generation, generation. of ants you kill the queen, you kill the next generations of ants. Mm-hmm. So the idea is we focus our control methods on them, and then we will take care of the foraging ants later on. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because, yeah, a lot of times you get the people, they, they want to spray something on them immediately. That's right. And since it's a contact insecticide, it just kills what they see. That's right. And and, and that, that comes even more important, especially when you get into some of those other ants like you know, harvester ants mm-hmm. or even uh, your leaf cutter ants, mm-hmm. which are, <laughs> I've had people oh. actually say that, you know, they would love to bring in a backhoe. <laughs> And dig them out, but you know that's just going to uh, make it even worse. Yeah. Well, the uh, 
Uh, the one thing we have to remember about any type of, uh, of ant control is I don't care whether it's the leafcutter ant, whether it's the red harvester ant, whether it's the uh, little uh, black ant or the pharaoh ant, sugar ant in your house, you have to attack the queen, you have to attack the immatures. If you control them, then you start to reduce your population. That's the whole idea behind any type of ant management is focus on, learn where they are, learn how, we, how you can get to the queen and the immatures, then focus on them. Any general pesticide, all it does is kill foraging ants. And the queen, uh, if you're talking about a fire ant, a queen can live uh, two to five years. She can lay up to 1,000 eggs per day. And then with our fire ants in our area, the inbred and porter fire ant, we tend to have multiple queen mounds. That means there are no territorial behavior. Right. Ants can go between mound and mound and do their ant thing. And so, uh, uh, you know, the idea is that if you don't control her or, or control over an area, you're just not going to get good population reduction. Also, I just thought about when you were mentioned about the mound control, uh, a lot of people say, oh, they go stick a stick and then they stir that mound up and then they <laughs> pour something on it. Well, they don't understand that in the fire ant mound, you have a lot of the younger ants, their job is to take care of the queen and the matures. Once you touch that mound, they're evacuating that queen and the matures out through foraging tunnels that radiate from the mound. And if you pour a pesticide on there, all you're really killing is those ants that come to the top of the mound and say, what's going on? Yep. And then you kill those, and, and then you put a pesticide on the mound. No self-respecting ants going to dig back in that area for several weeks, you know. <laughs> but you may see ant mounds pop up, you know, 20 or 30 feet away when that's where you fractured the mound, those newer queens they start to have those new mounds. So you can really exacerbate your problem. So uh, that's one of the things, when you ever deal with the mound, never disturb it, never put anything in it. The idea is to uh, uh, bait uh, when the ants are active, and then they'll pick it up, and then you have good population reduction, not only mound reduction, but good population reduction. So they actually have like escape routes for the they queen? They do. Uh, the normal way a, uh, a mound is set up, all you're seeing is the is the loose soil on top. And normally it takes three to six months for a mound to become what we call reproductively active. And after rainfall, they release their mating pairs, which are weaned males and weaned females. And that dirt on top means that the mound is now reprodu are reproductively active, and they're releasing the pairs, okay? And uh, those will be released, and the, then they'll come back, and they'll, the queen will, will drop, and she'll start her mound. And then uh, uh, what they'll do is this mound is kind of a they, very simplified design. It's kind of a cone shape under the ground. Yeah. Depends on the type of soil and all that. But then all of these mounds will have tunnels that tunnel down to a water source, either leaky water main or a water table, depending on where you are. And then they'll have foraging tunnels that radiate from the mound. That's the only way the ants get in and out of the mound is through those foraging tunnels, not through the top of the mound. So uh, that's why if you just hit that mound and they start evacuating out through the tunnels, and that's where the, a lot of them will go. You kill a bunch of ants if you just do something, but you're not killing all the queens because there are multiple queens. There may be, you know, half a dozen to a dozen or more queens in a mound, and they're all being evacuated. So it's a, uh, and that's just once you understand that, then you kind of understand well why my my control procedures aren't working because yeah. I start seeing I, I'm chasing mounds. Of course you are. Yep. That's what they're doing. Cool. Okay, they're they're moving away from that mound. So I that, just learned so much about ants. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that's why you bait yeah. because by doing that, if you see the mounds, if you you know if you you only treat the mound you see and don't treat the mounds you don't see. With all the foraging mm. ants from those type of mounds have access to the bait that you spread across the ground, they'll take it back to their respective mounds, and then you start to have mound control that way. And then we're talking about some of the controls, grits. 
There was oh. always pour the grits on them. They eat the grits. They swell up and they pop. Oh. Up, yeah. yeah, that's uh, <laughs> what happens. Is is that the foraging ants have no means of chewing and swallowing solid food. They can only suck liquids. So uh, they take that bait back or those that corn grit back to the immatures. And believe me, we have studies at Texas A&M that shows that they do quite well <laughs> on grits. Normally, what happens? You put the grits on top of the mound. They start to sour, and the mound just moves over. Yep, see there. And then same thing with, like, orange oils or anything like that. They just relocate. Yeah, that's right. Well, orange oils, it's a contact insecticide. You know, let's face it, anything yeah. that kills an insect is going to be insecticide. I don't care if it's organic or whatever, it's an insecticide. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're a contact insecticide. They coat the insect. They uh, coat the spiracles. The insect can't breathe, and they smother, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's more like a, a mechanical type of control, but it has to get on the ant. There is no really true insecticidal properties of going in the ant. It has to get on them and, and coat the spiracles, yeah. Yeah, that, that's one of the things a lot of people don't understand. And you know, There's a lot of people that don't want to use a pesticide mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and you know things that are synthetically made and stuff. What are some maybe some of the other options that are maybe a little bit less toxic or things that would be considered organic well there's a you know uh uh really the, the baits you'd be surprised some of the bait products themselves are less toxic than any of the uh, uh some organic products so uh you know there a uh, toxicity is, is one of those things a lot of people just f they have this feel-good feeling okay but uh we, we can discuss those i guess when we come back yeah. from break yep that sounds good yeah today we're out here with the uh conroe lake conroe chamber of commerce uh we're out here this is the What's his, what's his name again? Larry the Lobster. Larry the Lobster. Larry the Lobster. He's Larry Lobster. He's been out in the sun a little too long. We're enjoying it, but maybe <laughs> he's not. But uh, you've, you're joining us here at the Extension Hour. We've got uh, Dr. Paul Nestor, our ant specialist here, entomologist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. And uh, we'll be back shortly. Remember to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on your computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. Lone Star Community Radio broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. All right, welcome back. You're listening to the Extension Hour. Uh, we're out here with uh, April Sound at April Sound with the Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce. They got a lobster tournament here. We, I mean, he's—I I don't think he likes what he's hearing. He's you not. Know? Yeah. He's, he's representative of you know these people that that they don't want to use chemicals. I guess <laughs> I, I'm not sure, but he's been out in the sun too long. I don't know. Maybe he's just had enough for the day. But uh, we'll kind of continue along the process. So we're here with Dr. Paul Nestor. Uh, he, he's, he's our ant specialist, our ant guru is kind of <laughs> like what we like to call him, I guess, from the extension agent standpoint. So what about those organic products, the ones that are, that are a little bit more effective or, or, or do a little bit different? Okay, we, we kind of just started on that uh, first sec section. But uh, uh, anytime you use a, uh, a bait, you're using it's really one of the more environmentally sound ways of controlling fire. So we also have some organic baits, and they work quite well, okay? But uh, but uh, people are always concerned about using a pest. Well, a bait is a sublethal dose of insecticide you spread over your yard. The ant is your delivery system. It picks the bait up, concentrates it back into the mound, and then the mound dies from within. So really the ant's your delivery system. It's helping you out. Uh, the baits are essentially a very, very low toxicity to any animals, you know, uh, uh, little phyto, whatever, they're not going to be affected. 
you know, they're in fact it, it'll do it good because the the ants then won't be uh, around to sting them. So uh, it really helps out. But but baits are, are put out at a sublethal dose, and they they really do their job well. Now we got talking on a lot of organic products. Well, you'd be surprised that some of the baits are le- are less toxic than some of the organic products we use. And uh, people don't really understand. They think they hear the term organic, which is kind of funny because all products are organic. It's just that that's the, they're, they're, they're natural. They, they want a natural product. But some of those natural products uh, can be very toxic. So you have to be very careful. You know, you have to take the same uh, uh, precautions with the gloves and long sleeves, things like that. Protect yourself because they just are not, you know, uh, as 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 safe you know i hate to use the word safe we really <laughs> want to talk about least toxic right. around but uh uh but baits can be very very useful if, if you don't want to go that route you still want to go with organic we do have an organic bait called uh, uh well it's, it's active ingredient spinosad and it's from uh fermented bacteria and uh, it's very very active in fact the spinosad products are probably one of the uh the most active products i've seen you know bar none even for some of the uh uh Oh, synthetic products. They're very, very active. They're used for worm control, mite control. They're used for a lot of different things, you know. And uh, uh, But then we do have a, a couple of fire ant baits. One is the Fertilome Come and Get It. The other is a, a bait called Payback from South uh, Southern Ag. And it's uh, normally it's only available online. Uh, but uh, this product, the organic, you put them out, the ant reacts the same way. They pick the bait up, take it back to the mound and all that. The only problem with Spinosa, though, is that it can be very, very active. The bait particle itself kind of has a little extra dose of spinosad on it. Mm -hmm. And many times the ants, just for the term, better terms, they just get drunk and they never make it back to the mound. They lose their way. And uh, forage, you have a great, you know, uh, a large number of foraging ants die, but you may not see the resultant reduction in mound activity. So you will have to maybe apply the bait again. It's not that the bait's not doing its job. It's just that it's doing it too well. well. And uh, so if they have to, uh, these ants may forage 30, 40, 50 feet away from the mound. And they have, in some instances, maybe 100 feet from the mound. Mm-hmm. If they pick the particle up by then, a lot of times they'll absorb too much product and they will die if they get back to the mound. So that's kind of kind of interesting. But those, those products are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, there's also some other, you know, we talked about orange oil or uh, uh, delimining some of those. Those work well, but they're, they're only, uh, you know, good for mound treatments. And like I mentioned before, that if you're focusing th- everything on mound treatments, that's, uh, that's not the way to go. Now, we do have a, a, a program that we d- developed by the, well, it's, it's a program. We, we focus on it with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. We call it the Texas Two-Step Step. Method, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is the method where we like to people to use baits. The first step is use a bait twice a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my rule of thumb is after uh, uh, Labor Day before November, mm-hmm. okay? And then the next time period is after tax day before July. Mm-hmm. Those kind of two periods when the ants are most active. And uh, you have to have an actively foraging mound from to pick the bait up to take it back to it. So uh, those are the two time periods. You know, kind of look for an area time when there's a uh, uh, no rainfall predicted things of that nature, and then we can uh, uh, apply the bait, and the ants will take it back in. And a week to ten days later, you know, the mounds will start to die. Now, that's the first step: is bait twice a year. The second step is to use a single mound treatment. And now's when I recommend a single mound treatment because you might spread it across your yard. And there seems to always be that one mound 
that still has a little activity in it. It's right next to a uh, driveway or a step or mailbox or a fence post, something like that, maybe next to a tree that you like to sit by. Well, then you can use a single mound trip. You use the bait first. The queens and immatures are dying, but there's still a lot of foraging ants out there. The way the bait works is the, the, the ant, the foraging ant, because it cannot chew or swallow solid food, it brings the solid food back to the mound. They feed it to the large or the, the, the uh, oldest immature or the oldest larva who actually digest on the outside of their body. Then the worker ants will pick up this liquid and they'll pass it through other ants and other immatures and all the queens through a process called trophallaxis, which is the etymological term means passing a liquids is all it is. And that's how they get their nourishment. So the foraging ants, they come, whenever they come back to the mound, they search for this liquid. They need to get nourishment and all that. Well, uh, uh, once you kill the queen and kill the immatures off with the bait, there's no more of this liquid produced. So the, the foraging ants slowly starve to death. It takes about a oh, maybe four to five weeks for all the ants to die. The bigger the mound, the longer it takes because you have this biological decline curve, and it just takes, and the more ants you have, the longer it takes for them to die. <coughs> well, excuse me. Well, those ants then that might be around, uh, <coughs> oh, must be a little dust down here in this nice, clear <laughs> weather, you know. I think it was somebody over there with their sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it was Larry the Lobster. He's getting crazy <laughs> over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens then is these uh, these ants, uh, they they uh, the queen immatures die, so this the nutritious food is no longer produced, and then it takes about a oh four to five weeks for all these foraging ants to die. Well, these are the suckers that sting. Okay, so if you find a mound that you might knock it over, it still might have some activity in it, that's when you use a single mound treatment. Anything will work. Your stinky orthene powder, some of the other white mound treatments, uh, a, a drench with uh, orange oil. A lot of people recommend, you know, boiling water, but it's only boiling when it gets off the stove. By the time it gets to the mound, it ain't boiling anymore, and that tends to also kill the grass around it. So I don't like to recommend boiling water. I think that's a, uh, you, you, can, you can cause some problems with that but they do have some uh, organic uh, uh, you know products you can use what you're doing then is you, you you put it on the mound you kill those foraging ants there's the one that are stinging the queens and immatures are already dead and about another month or so all your mounds are going to be controlled well at least 85 to 90 percent of them are going to be controlled so the whole goal is to reduce the chance you come in contact with a fire ant mound okay take them by being a nuisance in your life okay right, right. so i can't just you know spray them with a, a, a hose can i uh, well, uh, as, as, as what, just water? Yeah, just spraying with the water hose? No. No. I mean, the idea is uh, fire ants are kind of funny in that they uh, they can avoid any type of, of water problem. They have uh, oil and all on their outside, and they have little hairs that uh, – and, in fact, they can float during flood waters. They'll, they'll float down the yeah, flood. Yeah, we did see that during Harvey. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's Big normal. Old. That's what they do. The, the water come in. The ants will float to the top. They'll get in this kind of biological ball. They kind of bind with their feet and all. Uh, tarsi on ants, they'll they'll bind together and they protect the queen immatures. They'll just float with the water, and then when they find a nice dry area, they'll just kind of explode onto it and go back up and start a new mound. And uh, you'll see this a lot. That a lot of I was really pleased with the Houston media during this deal. They they kept mentioning yeah. about watch fire ants. That's you know, right. be careful with them. Uh, that they they they're a nuisance and all, and uh, so I was real pleased that they were uh, taking the time to you know pre-warn people that this is in our area, this is a nuisance, and because yep. of all the rain we've had over the past year or two, fire ant mounts has very been very abundant. And okay, see, and that's something that we always kind of notice. You get some good rains or something, mm -hmm. the first thing you start to notice is a good flush of. Mm -hmm. 
And, and that's what I said. Anytime you have a rainfall, uh, you'll tend to have a flush of the winged adults, the males and females, who, who they'll, they'll fly into the air and they'll mate, okay? And that's just why after any type of precipitation event, you're going to have this release. In our area, anytime it rains, you're going to have released the mating pairs. Mm-hmm. So you'll constantly have ants available to start new mounds, okay? Yep. Now, we talk about the, the flights, baits uh, and all in the Texas two-step, it's, it's curative, Mm-hmm. It kills the population you have in your yard. Now, it's not going to prevent a uh, fire ant queen from your neighbors flying over your property <laughs> in the next week or two after you do and start a new mound because baits right. are only good for 48 hours. Yep. After that 48 hours, they start to deteriorate in the uh, environment, environment, and they're right. just no longer appealing to the ants. So uh, uh, that's why we wouldn't recommend baiting twice a year to catch those those two times the ants are active. So. Uh, you know, it's just that uh, you have to understand that, that, you know, just one bathing is not going to take care of your problem. It's a constant thing. Every year you're going to have to plan your fire ant control, plan what you have to do. And just because, you know, you don't see anything doesn't mean you don't have them. Right. You put a hot dog out early in the morning, you'll find out where the ants are. And there's a particular type of hot dog that works really well. Bar S <laughs> <bar-ass> Jumbo. <laughs> You'd be surprised. That's kind of something we use on our uh, uh, to evaluate fire ants. We'll just put a hot dog down and come back in 30 or 40 minutes and see what the activity is. And that tells us the population there. So f- hot dogs are pretty, uh, and if you get hungry, you just kind of have a couple hot dogs. You know? There you go. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. Um, you know, the other one is, you know, you've got, fire ants in your yard mm-hmm. and i've told people the same thing you know if if you got your neighbors got them you're going to get them mm-hmm. so if they're treating their yard you know what, what kind of things can they do to help i mean eradicate a whole neighborhood or you know how do they do something like that uh, we do have a program called the community-wide program where we like a homeowner association or at least a couple of neighbors champion the effort and they'll get a group of neighbors together and one weekend, just say, hey, we're going to all bait our fire ants, okay? And uh, and everyone baits, so at that same time, you tend to have a good reduction, you know, in your fire ant population over the neighborhood. That's right. That's right. Yep. That, that's one of the things that's real important, you know, it, whether it be with fleas and ticks or whatever it may that's be, because right. the populations exist to be out on that's that. Right. So, yeah, we're out here on a lovely day. Uh, I'm sure that he'll he'll come back with some, uh, some well, I don't know, I, I yeah, he might come back here in a little bit and, and start listening better. But uh, we're out here today at the Lake uh, April Sound, the Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce, and uh, we're live. We're in the sun, kind of enjoying in the it. shade in the sun. Yeah, yeah it's it's good. Yeah. So we'll be back here shortly with Dr. Paul Nestor talking about fire ants and other types of ants in your yard. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. All right, welcome back to the Extension Hour. I'm Michael Potter. I'm the County Extension Agent for Horticulture here in Montgomery County, and we've got with us today Dr. Paul Nestor. Thank you for being with us today. I've enjoyed it. I yeah. always like talking about ants. Ants, ants, ants. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk. Uh, let's go ahead and continue on about you know community-wide mm-hmm. projects. Okay. Yeah. I uh, what uh, back when I started, uh, I started with the Extension Service in 1999, and that with the Fire Ant uh, Program. 
at uh, that time I was with, in fact, I used to work for the company that, that made Amdro. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had a good experience with Fire Ant, so it was a great way for me to start with A&M because I was going in something I understood, you know, so it worked out great. But uh, uh, we used to do home shows down at the George R. Brown, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a uh, uh, couple come in. They were from Lago Santa Fe in Santa Fe, Texas. It was a water ski community. They had four lakes. They were half a mile long by 200 foot wide. They were about 15 to 20 foot deep, maybe a little lower, just enough where a boat can get through it. They, mm-hmm. they skied. That's what they did. They had several uh, national champions that lived there, so they water skied. But they, they had a problem in that uh, uh, when they would get off their skis, they walked back to the sh- uh, shores, that all of a sudden they would be you know inundated with fire ants because uh, they had no shoes over there. So they really had some issues, and they wanted to have a, a program. you know. So I thought, well, this is back in 2001. So we just kind of really introduced the... Uh, uh, community-wide program, so we said, let's let's do this. So they have about 110 acres the total. All uh, had about 64 lots, and those were about an acre lots, and uh, 48 of those were around the lakes. And so uh, we said, Let, let's start a fire ant program here. We went out and checked, and they had like 148 mounds per acre. And these mounds, we're talking, you know, prairie dog village type of situation out there. And uh, so we said, okay, let's let's work with it. And they're getting ready to have a, a nice uh, international ski event. We're going to have 5,000 people, 1,200, uh, you know, uh, uh, people to uh, our com- competitors there for a weekend. And really for a week and the one big weekend. And so they wanted to control their fire ant. So we worked with them. Uh, we decided we were going to bait the, the project, okay, bait the uh uh, the, the 100 acres, and uh, what we did is we were going to use the community or the two-step program, so we uh, procured the bait, uh, and then they, uh, as a community, they passed out the bait to the different homeowners, and then they were instructed on how to use it, and so one weekend, everyone baited, and then uh, uh, this was about uh, six weeks before the, the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we had like 100 and and 48 mounds per acre, you know, up to 167, you know, it averaged down about that. And uh, uh, we spread the bait. We came back in uh, right before the event, and we had less than five mounds per acre. We had really done a good job wow. of controlling the ants, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we also, they did use some, uh, use the two-step. There there was some uh, issues with a few escape mounds. That's, that's what you're going to see. So they yeah. used, the, then they used some orthene. Uh, to take care of those uh, other mounds and want to knock them out fast. But that was the weekend back in 2001 in August when they, I guess it's 2002 August when this, uh, when this happened. And they had uh, like 14 or 15 inches of rain that week. There was not one fire ant problem. And they feared for all that rain with the fire spoon, they should have had some stinging events. Nothing. There was nothing. So they, they were real pleased. So we worked with them. And so they started baiting every six months. They have now been baiting 16 years, twice a year wow. down at Lago Santa Fe. And awesome. they've been very pleased. They keep their mounds at around five mounds, you know, uh, per acre. Sometimes it gets up to 10, depending on the year. The idea is that the, the fire ants are just not a nuisance anymore. So that's what we try to work with, with, with uh, neighborhoods and all, is mm-hmm. to let them know that there are things you can do. But someone has to champion the event, yep. a group of uh of uh, neighbors have to say, you know, we're going to handle this, we're going to take care of it, work their homeowner association or property owner association, and they can manage the fire ranch where they're just not an issue for the neighborhood. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about, you know, how you work with our ag agent, Mike uh-huh, Heimer, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and, and 
you know, they all did some stuff for the the big Toyota Bass Classic. That's right. Yeah. We're, for several years, we uh, mm-hmm. we worked with the Toyota Bass Classic uh, that was held there at the Con- Lone Star Convention Center there mm-hmm. in Conroe. And we would go out five to six weeks before the uh, event, and we'd spread fire ant bait. And then uh, we'd monitor, and we always kept and we kept it down to sometimes. One year, we had like zero mounds per acre yep. that we were checking. We did that. But that was during the, you know, I won't take full credit. It was a, a droughty condition. <laughs> it was a little know. bit of weather. Yeah, but the idea is they never had issues, right. you know. And we right. talked to all the uh, vendors and all that were there, and they just did not have any fire ant issues whatsoever. Yep. So uh, so we were pleased we did that. And in fact, we're still working with Lone Star Convention Center. They put that into their budget now, and they buy fire ant bait, and they bait twice a year mm-hmm. to keep the grounds, not only the Montgomery County uh, Fairgrounds, but the Lone Star Convention Center, its grounds, and around the convention center itself, they bait that twice a year to keep fire ants at a minimum so the people that can go out there can enjoy the property and not, you know, have to worry about fire ants. You know, there's lots of food that gets thrown on the ground, oh, yeah. lots of tacos, <laughs> lots of chips, <laughs> lots of uh, uh, chicken, you know, yep. a lot of things just thrown on the ground, and that's, that's exactly what fire ants like. Yep, I've been out there for several concerts during mm-hmm. that time, and, and never, you know, never did I see a, or have a problem with it myself, and, yep. you know, stuff like that. I mean, that's just a testament of what, you that, know, what that, Extension does. That was but, our goal. You know, that's a pro. It's one of our programs that we uh you know, like to get people to use. And when I say we're, we're educated, we're there to educate people. Right. We, we understand what it takes, but now we need to educate. We're not going to do it for them. Yep. The idea is we're, we're not, we don't have, you know, have bait spread or real travel, mm-hmm. but we will work <laughs> with them to uh, develop a program and help them educate, you know, what they need to do. And then, uh, so I'm always open to, uh, to talk to people about projects like yep. that, you know, and see what we can do to help them manage their fire ants. Yep. And then there's some other ants out there that kind of end up being a, Community-wide project. Yeah, well, you know, we uh, we have been working now with this uh, Texas leafcutter ant. It's a, it's a problem up in the sandy land and all that. Up in Montgomery County is well known for a lot of sandy areas, and the sand is a uh, very much of a problem. And the you know sometimes I know if you remember the old Camp Strike area, uh, just uh, old Boy Scout camp that is now I guess Grand Station. I forget what they call it now, but uh, I saw one of the largest Texas leafcutter ant colonies back in there is 300 foot by 300 foot you do the math that's 90,000 square feet that's over two acres that this this colony covered okay and uh uh it's just hard to control those but they're, they're in only enforced areas you know that where the where neighborhoods see them is you know a neighborhood will spring up next to a forested area then they'll put in this five six thousand dollars with landscape plants come out the next day and all the leaves are gone twigs oh yeah you know it doesn't kill the plants but it does remove the leaves and you know they complain well what can i spray on them well you know you have to really address the colony itself and there that's a whole that's a whole nother section you know, we we do have some products that will help minimize the activity but the idea is that you do have to do some protection there's pesticides that need to be sprayed there's things that need to be done to protect your plants and people just have to realize that it's just not a simple answer to take the leaf cutter in. and timing is important as timing, far as application yeah. that's right it's, it's kind of interesting a lot of is that the fire ants uh, we mentioned before that after rainfall they release their mating pairs they they really have mating releases all the whole year whenever there's a rain event mm-hmm. if you have an active mound Texas leafcutter ant only releases its mating pairs in the spring. You'll see those in April and May when they'll come out and they will uh, release their mating pairs. That's the only time they're released, and the rest of the times they're working in, in taking care of their colony. And that's another interesting thing that it, it uh, uh, takes leaves into the uh, 
a nest where it uh, cultivates a fungus, and that's what it feeds all of its immatures, this fungus. They live on this fungus. They're kind of aggro. They're farmers yeah. what they are. Yeah. It makes them real difficult to control because of that. So that's that's where, uh, uh, you know, uh, neighbors and always have to understand that this, if you have those ants, it's not a quick go down to Home Depot and buy a spray and spray it. That's not going to work for those ants. And it's know? a multi-year approach. It's, it it's is. something that's it's consistent. Every year you have to, just like fire ants, you need to do something every year. If not, you know, I keep talking about they, they kept the population down to five mounds per acre. Well, the idea is if, if you don't control all of a sudden that five mounds becomes 30 mounds, Another couple of months, that 30 mounds becomes 100 mounds, and then you've got your problem all over again. So that's why we like to, to understand that, that fire, ant, fire ant management and other ant management, it's continual because the ants aren't going away. You know, they've been here. All we did was build our homes on their homes. Their homes. Yep. So, uh, so with the sandy ones, do you recommend the two times a year as well? Uh, well, no, with that one, we, they do require bait, but baits are less efficient with that ant. And so we're working with, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a product, in fact, there's only one product labeled Label. called Amdro Ant Block. It's the only thing you can use for Texas Leafcutter Ant. And then we have had doing some research where there's a product called Extinguish. It's another bait. They're, they're uh, you normally use for fire ants, but it's an insect growth regulator. And we found that blending those two together and then treating a colony, we've seen some good reductions in activity. We don't get rid of them, but we kind of reduce the activity. So that's something that, you know, if people need to under, uh, need more information on that. It's hard to explain here. They really need to call the Montgomery County office and, and uh, visit with me on it. We can discuss uh, Texas leafcutter ants. But they're just a little... They're a tough beast to deal with. Yeah. They, they're, they're very frustrating, very frustrating. So. Yeah, we've had, uh, I've, I, I think there was one gentleman that called one time. He said, I've, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either hiring a backhoe mm -hmm. to come in here and dig them out, or I'm going to light the whole place on fire and blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, you know, they, they, they can be frustrating. Well, that, those, and, and those nests go more than 40 feet down. Yes, so. that's right. So. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've heard all kinds of different things, you know, treatment. You know, oh, since they feed on fungus, let's put a fungicide in them and stuff. You know, that they, if something happens to the fungus, believe me, what they'll do is they'll go in and they'll pull that, <laughs> that bad fungus out, move it up, and they will cultivate more. Wow. They, they can abandon a, a little. They have several different gardens. They'll abandon that garden and go to another one. They're, right. they're, not, they're not dumb. They're, they're very well. <laughs> they're very resourceful. Yeah. They're very good very at what they do. Yeah. Very good at what they do. Yeah, they'll defoliate things overnight. It's, Sheep, it's, it's yes. pretty interesting yeah. to watch. I mean, just from that standpoint, and there's even bigger ones, bigger ants in different parts of the world mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that do the same thing. So uh, you've been listening to us today here, here been here at April Sound uh, with the Conroe Lake, Conroe Chamber of Commerce. We're here live with Lone Star Community Radio. Nice Thanks sound for here. listening. Very it, nice it is. Enjoy us. Have Breeze a good day. It's yep. fun to picking up. It looks, yep. feels real good. It yeah. feels real good. You know, we've got Dr. Paul Nestor with us. We've been talking about fire ants today, and uh, we appreciate you joining us, and we'll be back. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. All right, welcome back to the Extension Hour. Uh, we're out here at April Sound Live, uh, Conroe Lake, Conroe Chamber of Commerce. They're having a good lobster fest tournament. <laughs> 
<laughs> Lots of fun golf tournament. We had some good. Uh, we had some good lobster and steak last night at the uh, at the uh, festival. Now I'm jealous. Why weren't we invited to that? Well, <laughs> I mean, it was an eighty dollar ticket. So oh, well. It wasn't invited. That's that's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> uh, Spence report won't cover that. No. <laughs> yep. Uh, we got Dr. Parl Nestor out here today. We've been talking about fire ants. We've been talking about a little bit about uh, uh, harvester ants and and leaf cutter ants. Just just various types of ants that we. We have in this area and community projects, all kinds of things, you know, uh, like you said earlier, you know, baiting an entire area, having those baits. That mean, it's a low dosage type deal. They take it to the queens, kill the queens. That's where the money's at. Sure. Uh, just chasing them around with orange oil and some of these other things. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Just a waste of time. A waste, waste of time. time. There's, you, you spend, and money. Yeah, you spend your time <laughs> much more, e- e- I guess, economically by using a good bait. And mm-hmm. that's if you want to use the organic bait, there's one available. Mm-hmm. But a lot, most of the baits we have are very low toxicity, and that's a very environmentally you know, sound way of doing things. You can use that, reduce your population, then you're not subject to the stings that you might get. Right. You know, as under, you know, the way I try to tell people is that, that that sting is very important. I mean, that's a, uh, people can be very allergic to it. They can go to high, you know, hypersensitive uh, reactions. They can have anaphylactic shock. So it can, we had a child die down in Corpus Christi uh, in 2012 yes, on one of the athletic fields do this. And you that's tell right. me, that a, a bait isn't more important then than a child's a lot, death, you yeah. know. So there's there's things you yep. can do to uh, to take care of things to to protect the kids and all out in the field. In fact, Corpus Christi they they bait twice a year religiously. In fact, they bait three times a year. They bait all the the athletic fields before they start uh, practice because mm-hmm. of of that. You know, they want to make sure that in August that they they take care of those. So they're very aggressive now, and a lot of people are. You know, trying to keep their kids safe and all that. And, and baits are a very very good way of doing it. Yeah. Least toxic way to do things. Uh, like I that. grew so up in Corpus and played, okay, well. played football. You know, been on the football fields. Yeah. Got bent many a time. I've stung many a times by ants. Yeah, stung many a few times. Stung many times. Yeah, I mean that that's just what <laughs> happens. So it's a good thing. You know, you don't know those kids that are allergic. Right, that's correct. And, and a lot of times. You know, it's a uh, uh, you you can become over time, especially uh, elderly people over time. They can become more you know sensitive. sensitized yeah. to it, and so we have to watch out for them. My mom, she was a uh, uh, when she lived with us, uh, she finally passed away at 95. But she lived with us for about 15 years, and uh, my goal was to make sure my backyard was fire ant free because right. I didn't need my mom <laughs> going out there and falling down when we weren't there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being a fire ant man. So I, yep. I, 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 I continually try to keep the fire ants management just right. so I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. You know, so there's another ant that is yeah. an extreme nuisance, even though to to our uh, livestock and other mm-hmm. things as well that that I've you and I've kind of worked on in in some areas mm-hmm. and I've got to see you know when we talk about the tawny raspberry crazy ant that that sucker I mean you know when you got it I mean they're they just are everywhere oof. they're 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 horrendous yeah they they, they don't sting <laughs> or anything like that they just set the sheer numbers of the ant just the nuisance of them getting into things that can be a problem with uh, electrical systems that can be a problem uh, uh, just uh, just aesthetics are extremely yes. bad you know and uh, uh, a lot of people are antophobic, you know, so they're, uh, uh, they just see one and you get a bit, I mean, we're talking billions of ants. You can spread the ground and look down and they're just everywhere. You put your hand on the deal and they're on your hand immediately. Mm-hmm. They're just all over the place. And uh, uh, we're see, we got 30, in fact, just got a uh, notice the other day from Texas A&M that uh, Grimes County is now added to the list of counties. This ant is now a problem. We have 39 counties. 
for this answer problem. It started in, uh, uh, we started in Nolson in Harris County back in, two, in 2002, I think we started in Nolson. In fact, uh, uh, the pest control professional Tom Raspberry, when we say raspberry crazy and it doesn't attack Okay, raspberries, it's just the name of the uh, pest control professional that started working with it and brought it to the attention of Dr. Roger Gold at Texas A&M. They started working on it. So we've been working with that ant since then. The, the numbers can just be extremely high. Uh, they can get into trucks. They can uh, cause electrical issues where they can't start and things of that nature. So uh, we started working with it and uh, uh, found out that there, we do have some strategies for it, and that does involve pesticides organic products just don't work mm -hmm. i mean that's just all it is you have to get it into the colony and they nest everywhere they don't have a mound like a fire ant they'll nest under anything on the ground and so there are some strategies you know specific products to spray around the house specific products to put in your yard specific products to so you know spray on trees because these ants they they tend to uh, cultivate or i say farm herd aphids, mm -hmm. mealybugs, anything that produces honeydew because they feed on honeydew. So one of the first things we tell people is you go out and prune all your vegetation because if you prune that back, then you start to reduce the ant. A lot of times with this ant, there's a lot of sanitation uh, techniques, uh, things you can do around the house just to reduce the environment. You know, it's modify the habitat. If you can modify the habitat, you can reduce the, the ability of that ant to survive. And uh, you think about when, when we're given, when you give them plenty of food, plenty of water, and nice habitat, you're going to have a pest problem. I don't care if it's rodents. I don't <laughs> care what it is. Okay. Uh, other insects, cockroaches, if you give those three things, food, water, and habitat, you're going to have a pest problem. Right. Uh, we try to teach an integrated pest management is somehow we need to remove or limit one of those sources. And by doing that, you start putting pressure on that population. It doesn't survive as well. It doesn't reproduce as well. Mm -hmm. So that means you're going to have less of the population to deal with. Then when you do happen to use a product, uh, a specific pesticide, that product's going to, your perceived control is going to be much greater because you're not going to see a lot of insects after that, you know. And I'd much always, I'd rather have 80 to 95% control of 1,000 bugs than 85 to 95 percent control of 100,000 because it's all a numbers game, okay? Yeah. It's a perceived control. So, in fact, this, this works with fire ants and uh, mentioned, uh, you know, cockroaches, things like that. If you do something to uh, modify their habitat, they don't quite survive as well than any other type of control strategy you use. You're going to keep putting pressure on that population. With the tawny crazy ant, we recommend people go out and take things away from the house, move potted plants, lift them up, put them on some type of expanded shelf, something like that where the ants can't get under it. Uh, reduce the water, level your, your yard so there's no water there where the ant can uh, uh, be present in. And then it might involve then, if, if that doesn't take care of them, it might involve some specific treatments by a pest control company around the house and then in the yard itself to help, you know, uh, stop these ants. You know, you and I worked with uh, uh, in Walden, mm -hmm. right just up the road here, mm -hmm. uh, off of Lake Conroe there in uh, Montgomery, Texas. We worked with the uh, Walden community uh, for two years, and they had a, uh, a cul-de-sac that was really overrun with these ants. Yes. And we were able to go in with our uh, uh, practices and our strategies, and we minimized that really the ant. I think we hit them just right because yeah. uh, they have no longer got a problem. There, <laughs> yeah. you know? Now the ant's still around, but yeah. the, uh, it's just not in the sheer numbers. In no. fact, now we're still, if you have this ant, you will not have fire ants. 
they do not get along oh, at all. Yep. Fire ants will leave, mm -hmm. but they are not a good biological control option for fire ants because they're much harder to treat. But uh, but we will go out to that neighborhood now. We'll do our, our we talked earlier about our hot dog, dog sampling. Yeah. Uh, we'll put down the hot dogs and go back, and we're finding you know oh, half a dozen different ant species. One for you, now. one for me. <laughs> <laughs> so why why don't they get along? Is it just by pure uh, nature? And then do uh, they like fight them off? Yeah. Or? Oh no. Well. <laughs> That's this is a good story. Uh, uh, <laughs> first off, there's so many of uh, the fire ants don't like to be uh, uh, a nuisance, so they will, uh, uh, you know, they'll the, the tawny crazy ant comes in, the fire ant just leaves. But the tawny crazy ant, it has it does not have a stinger, has formic acid uh, that it exudes from its abdomen, and uh, if it the, the, when they start fighting, the fire ant starts sprinkling its venom around. It can't sting it, sprinkle its venom. And uh, the tawny crazy ant get the venom on it, actually backs up, exudes some of this formic acid, spreads it over its body, and, and it will essentially deactivate the fire ant toxin. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting how this ant works. But it's, uh, again, if you have a problem with that ant, you need to get hold of a pest control professional, preferably someone has, that works with that mm -hmm. ant. If not, you can give us the Montgomery County office a call. I'll be glad to visit with you about that ant, and we can uh, see what's going on. But we do have good control strategies. It's just understanding what you've got. Okay, and make sure that that's the ant you're trying to control. We always ID ants. You know, always want right. the ant to be ID before we start any type of control strategy because every ant has a little different control strategy for it. And what's the Montgomery County, uh, what's, what's y'all's number for the, the Ag Life Extension? That's the 936-539-7824 uh, to get to us. And you can also go to the Montgomery County, if you look up Montgomery County Extension on the on the web you can find us there as well as our contact information and stuff like that so it's a good choice you know one of the that i remember working over there with you and and going there the first time and uh, the the gentleman had used like a contact insecticide and, and i just remember seeing piles and i'm talking two and three inches thick of ants mm -hmm. and it's just amazing i mean you know when you have them and the problem is that the, those dead ants will cover over the pesticide area and mm -hmm. the live ants will crawl over mm -hmm. them they'll never come in contact with yep. the pesticide layer yep so that's why there's things you have to there's yep. strategy for managing that ant so that's right. just give us a call i'll be glad to talk yep to you that number is 936-539-7824 just give us a call and uh you know sometimes you can bring samples up to the office just yep. make sure you bring plenty of them so we that's can make right. sure and uh you know, like if, you know, our master gardeners are there for horticulture-related questions as well. So mm -hmm. we've got all kinds of stuff that we can help you out with, and all kinds of integrated pest management strategies. And we have all ways of helping you ID a bug, so that's you right. can plan your strategy for controlling it. Exactly. Well, thank you for joining us uh, at the Extension Hour. Like I said, we're out here at the April Sound uh, Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce event that's that's being held hosted out here and uh, lobster. Uh, yeah, lobster. I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll enjoy us leaving <laughs> since we picked on him so much today. So uh, thank you for joining us, Dr. Nestor. Thank you again I enjoyed for joining being us here. today. Nice Appreciate day. it. Thank y'all. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for checking out this podcast of Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. If you enjoyed this recording, make sure to check out our past shows online at IRLoneStar.com or their respective video or podcast formats on YouTube, Google Play, or iTunes. If you have any questions regarding the show, either it being about sponsorships or questions for the host, contact the station manager at D-I-C-K at IRLoneStar.com or call the station at 936-647-3776. This show was recorded in downtown Conroe, Texas at the Lone Star Community Radio Studio. And Lone Star Community Radio reserves all rights to this recording and images.